Welcome to the Mike on Much podcast. I am Mike Veerman, and I am here with my friend and producer, Max Kerman. Max, how's it going? I'm doing pretty good. I've had a good little summer run, you know? It's been great. Um, Lauren, uh, listeners might know her as my girlfriend, Lauren. She is off school for a couple weeks. Okay. She's a very hard worker. Yeah, grade 10. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. No, she's doing her MBA, for those yep. asking. And um, so she's been in a great mood. And has been helping out around my house because mm-hmm. she comes over a lot and I live with some roommates and the place is usually not in very good shape. Uh, so she's been like gardening and just kind of whipping my ass into gear, which has been very helpful. Anyway, so she's had a, a good time going out and seeing friends, catching up with people who she doesn't get to see as often as she'd like. So she went to a party the other weekend, had a great time, was up super late. Mm. And the next day she said, oh, hey, I, I was talking, remember Laurel, my friend Laurel? I was like, I remember Laurel. She's awesome. She's like, so Laurel... <laughs> Uh, needs some help. And I thought you might be able to like give her a hand. I was like, okay, well, yeah, of course. What's, what's, what's up? And she said, Laurel uh, wants to get into graphic design, but is uh, like a little bit shy. And, you know, she might, she could use some help networking. You know, okay. Laurel's like, and who's better at networking than Max Kerman? Yeah. I was like, oh, that's, you know, I like connecting people with people. And, yeah. you know, I've gotten to know a lot of different kinds of, you know, artsy types like through, through the band world. So I said, no problem. Let me shoot Laurel a message because I know people who make websites and people who, you know, work in much music, colleagues of yours. I said, maybe they could go for coffee or something like that. So I message uh, Laurel <laughs> and I say, Laurel, how can I be of your uh, help out? How can I, you know, I, I've been called a mensch before. <laughs> and do you, do you know what a mensch means, by the way? It's, a, it's, it's, like a, it's a Jewish word for somebody that's just really great, an all-around great person. Yeah, who's like a helpful guy. Yeah. When before, um, I didn't know what that word meant, and I thought it was derogatory. It's like, who are you calling a mensch? <laughs> <laughs> Did I tell you that in, like, uh, my nickname up until grade three was Maxipad? Get out. Yeah, and I didn't, but, and I thought Maxipad was, uh, was a good thing. Well, so, not that it's a bad thing. So you have, it is a good thing, I guess. <laughs> it, I don't know if it's good as a nickname. Yeah, I just thought it was, like, a cool name. And yeah. then I realized... In grade three, I didn't realize what it was, but I just realized that it's something that I, I shouldn't have as a nickname. You have issues comprehending nicknames. You think Mensch is terrible and that Maxi, Maxi Pad, Pad is, is cool. <laughs> yes, exactly. Hey guys, here comes the Maxi Pad. Yeah, but don't call me a Mensch. <laughs> <laughs> so I messaged Laurel uh, and I said, Laurel, get, uh, what's up? And uh, she goes, I'll read you the message. So Laurel goes, hey, that's so nice of you. My dad's an amazing artist. I think like, my dad, what does that stuff do with anything? He's been working on really interesting abstract paintings. I wanted to help him network and potentially get his stuff into galleries. I was like, what the hell is going on here? Nothing about graphic design. Nothing about graphic design. She's only talking about her dad. Uh, and by the way, it's like the sweetest note ever. Like, of course. can you imagine? Like, this, like just a proud daughter, you know, just, <laughs> seriously. <laughs> trying to help her dad with trying his Trying to help career. her dad. It's like, that, like, how nice is that? Like, if any of my friends told me they were doing this for their folks, I'd be like, that's the sweetest thing you could ever do. Right. So anyway... She's like, do you know anybody? And I'm like, I don't know anybody in the abstract world. We've been making jokes about visual artists on this podcast for years. <laughs> <laughs> so I see Lauren later that day. I'm like, Lauren, what the hell is this? Like, I, I could be of help to your friend, but I don't know anything about abstract art. Or 60-year-old men. <laughs> and what's this about? And she goes, oh, no. I was like, what? She's like, I was talking to my friend Mark Mayhew he wants to do graphic design oh, and he's really confident and has no problem networking. <laughs> <laughs> and Laurel's her dad. I got, I drunkenly got the stories like mixed up. Uh, so anyway, 
I don't know what to do. So now you're stuck helping this guy with his abstract art. With his abstract art. And Mark Mayhew's doing just fine. He's, he's doing probably, great. He's probably landed a job already. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, but I don't want to let Laurel down because she's so nice. Like, Laurel's nice. I'm assuming her dad's really nice, too. So um, what if you see his art and it's terrible? Uh, well, I won't know. It's abstract art. <laughs> uh, I guess if you're listening out there and you have any connections in the the art world, in the abstract art world, right? Drop me a line. <laughs> now you're using this podcast to help out your girlfriend's friend's six year old abstract artist father. Yes, I'm cool with it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Max. On today's show, we have Echo Smith, family band from L.A. Yeah. And this is another interview I couldn't be be at. This was actually the first interview that I had to like go with my little tape recorder by myself. Mm-hmm. They were playing the Mod Club. I know there were some other people doing interviews, so I kind of had to like wait in line, meet with the label person. Uh, I roll in. There's like people are sound checking drums. It's kind of chaos. It's like, oh, where do you want to hang out? And I'm like, I'm thinking we might get a room. But they're like, oh, just do it right here in sort of like the main area of the Mod Club where people would like dance. Mike's being a little too polite, listeners. Mike texted me. He said, there's a few other interviews. Our friend, Liz Trenier, who's a, a proper VJ yep. on Much Music, she's here to interview Sydney, who is the singer, the, the sister in the band. Yep, the lead singer, Sydney. Yeah. Uh, and I said, Mike, I want you to kill Liz Trenier's interview. <laughs> I, he said, I love Liz. I said, listen, I love Liz too. But uh, we're, we're the real uh, show on this block. <laughs> He's great at uh, inspirational pep talks, by the way. That's his forte. But uh, Liz was interviewing Sydney up on the second floor. And then I was interviewing uh, Jamie and Noah, uh, the brothers who play guitar and bass, Mm -hmm. um, in the main room. But I go in and I don't know when they're going to be available. I'm kind of like meandering there. I got my laptop with my questions. Uh, I kind of have to wait around. I'm getting more and more uncomfortable. And I can hear Liz doing her interview like on the second floor. And it's Mm -hmm. like, she's really good. She's got all her questions. She's projecting her voice. She's like, hey, girl. They're like best friends. They're like, (laughs) I can see them hugging and shit. So I'm just like. (laughs) And the other weird thing is, is like, do you feel weird that you're like a grown man and they're like. And they're kids? Yeah. Well, I want to do a good. Yes, I do. To to answer your question. (laughs) Yes. No, you know how it is. It's just like, and once you, there's like label people there and you want to. You want it to lead to more interviews. And honestly, they're a really sort of interesting story. They're a family band from California. Your you know, dad's sort of the manager, helps write the songs. They talk about all that, you know. Uh, we prepped those questions, and, and they were really candid. And honestly, I, I thought Jamie and Noah were very um, sort of uh, forthcoming and thoughtful in well, the talk. My question, though, here is, and, and we should get them back on the pod, you know, so much of music is about relationships and, like, very intimate things. And, and they sort of are from that school of, like, singer-songwriter, 1970s, like, folk rock. That's sort yeah. of where they come from. And, like, what's going to, like, what are they going to write about? Like, what's Sydney going to... Like, gonna what's be, their experience, is what Yeah, you're because you're playing these songs that your sister's singing, and it could be about some, like, really f- up, like, ex- like, relationship or something. And her, like, younger brother is, like, you know, 17 years old behind the kit. He's like, what do those words mean? (laughs) (laughs) I I don't think you're giving 17-year-olds enough credit. (laughs) What is love? (laughs) What is heartbreak? Yeah, and, you know, I think the thing that I took from listening back to the interview is that, you know, there are a couple of, like, teenagers, right? And they're answering questions like adults that have been, like, you know, doing it for a long time. Sure, like these 20-year veterans. Yeah, and and sort of like the maturity, I just kind of, like, think back to, what were you doing when you were 17, Mike? Oh, I was like hammered at a park in Hamilton. Yeah. 
<laughs> but but I was playing guitar. <laughs> you do have that in common. So I have something in common with those kids. I wonder what their cover of Don't Look Back in Anger sounds like. <laughs> Probably better because they'll practice it nonstop. Those kids, uh, they do work hard. Yeah. Is it condescending to call them kids? No, it's not. No, because they're kids. Ah, you know, I think they're like 21, 19. Well, no, they're kids. Okay. No, they're totally kids. And they sing about cool kids. That's true. Um, all right, let's get to Echo Smith. When major labels start working with teenagers, people sort of assume it's very, you know, pop-centric or a produced act. But Echo Smith feels like a more traditional rock act uh, to me. Can you talk a bit about how the band came about and sort of just your family dynamic? You know, start at the start. Yeah, well, at the beginning, we were a band, a live band. We weren't something that was like, you guys should record this. Like, we were just, the first thing we ever did together was play a show. We weren't just like, we didn't even really write any songs before that. We just like played like The Cure and Rihanna and Rage Against the Machine and went and go played a benefit concert. And uh, that was how it started. And we, that was like seven or eight years ago. Now it's hard to remember. But to even get to the point to play cover songs and be a cohesive band, I mean, who, did you pick up a guitar first, Jamie? Like, how did you guys, did you, were you naturally inclined to play music? How did you play together? Who was the first one to say, I'm going to start making music? Right. Well, yeah, I mean, we all, we grew up in a musical family. Yeah. So like our dad was a musician. Our mom was a visual artist and painter. So there was just like instruments and art all over the house and yeah I mean there was like there was guitars there was basses drums kind of all over so I don't I don't know I guess maybe I was technically the first one to grab a guitar um but everyone kind of gravitated towards their instruments naturally like we had been playing years before we ever played together um like Noah just decided he wanted to play bass Graham wanted he wanted to play drums and it wasn't because we needed a drummer or anything because he had been playing years before they're almost like like toys to us when we were really young and they're just all over so we didn't really know any better or any different or anything so we just like played instruments so yeah we just kind of grew up around it how did you choose what what songs to cover was it stuff you've been listening to was it stuff that your parents were into i think it was a, a variety of things i mean like i mean that first show i can't even remember the three we played love song by the cure did you open with that uh no that, the one we opened up with was uh rage against the machine that was, a, that was <laughs> like killing in the name and it's funny cindy wasn't even up on stage like we we started the show and like me and Noah just went out by ourselves oh and we just played it just like guitar and bass the whole just played that whole song instrumental <laughs> and it, so it was like it was one of those things where it's like we like that song was just i mean like when you're i mean we were like in junior high like really into guitar music and like everyone learns rage against the machine songs like that was why we chose that song and with like rihanna like umbrella was really big at the time yeah and then like for the cure like our mom was really into the cure like so like growing up we had always known their music too so you guys start playing cover songs and then eventually you start sort of writing music, sort of getting to a point where you're like, we want to, you know, be a band that does original songs and then move towards taking this to the next level. How did like, you know, getting a label and getting to that next point, how did that manifest itself? Um, we'd always been kind of writing really from the start. Like, just we always, because I mean, our dad being a writer, we always kind of grew up writing songs too. So is your, is your dad, uh, so does he write with you guys and he manages as well? Yeah. Yeah, so he, yeah, he's definitely a part, like, because he's a writer, too. So, I mean, the songs always usually start, they start with the four of us. And then yeah. he'll kind of be, like, an extra year, like, hey, just because we, you know, really value his opinion. He has experience just to get an outside ear with it. Um, and, yeah, we'd always been kind of writing really from the start. Like, just we always, because I mean, our dad being a writer, we always kind of grew up writing songs, too. So we would do covers, but we'd be writing songs, too. And, um, yeah, I mean, it wasn't, you know, we would play more covers, like, in our sets because we didn't have enough original songs a lot of times. And eventually like with the label and everything too like we had already been writing a whole bunch of songs and so the label was already interested in you guys they're aware of you guys or like you guys are talented i mean like i guess i'm asking for people that are listening they want to maybe emulate that sort of yeah. step what's the step there is it just right 
Well, that was probably three years ago that we actually, I think it was and it feels just about three yeah, years yeah, ago yeah. that we got, we got signed and we had been a band. Did you have to go through the whole, like, that. people coming up to your gigs or, like, going into no. rooms and playing for people? Or no, was the it... funny thing was, at least with this, because before then we had done, like, lots of showcases for different labels and, like, been flown out to New York to go visit whoever. Yeah. And then Warner just kind of literally happened, I think, uh, Michael Lazzani was an A&R at the record label. He was sent the music and it took him a while to listen to it. And then, like, he finally listened to it and he's like, this is great, come, come into my studio. And then I think it was a, a Friday. And then he... We, came in on the Friday, then on that Monday we met the CEO because Mike was so excited about meeting us and the music and stuff, so he took us into the CEO that Monday or Tuesday or so, and then we had the deal done like a week and a half. Wow. So it was all super, everything happened in like two weeks. Did you guys, I mean, even though you guys were pretty young relatively when this happened, was there like that elation, like, wow, we're going to a next, like another level? Did you guys have a celebration? Were you sort of right. like, this is exciting, or was it right to work? Well, no, it was, it was really exciting because when we got signed, it was like right before everyone was going to go home to you know, Christmas break and everything. So we, so there wasn't like any work that was really, I mean, just kind of like we got signed, the office closed, we had vacation, like everyone, you know, it just kind of like ended. And we had, I don't know, we had a couple weeks off. And then going into the new year, I think you think more, like when you get signed, you imagine that you all of a sudden like start doing things right away. But for us, like you find, I, for us at least, it wasn't this big like calculated, like here's this batch of songs I think you guys should do this will make you, you know, superstars, or this will... Right. Like, there wasn't any of this, like, some things that we were kind of prepared to sort of fight, I guess. Um, but it was just like, hey, like, just write some songs. And like, so we were just, like, writing, and we were playing shows, and we were touring, and, you know, it, there wasn't this big, huge, like, marketing plan it wasn't that a huge was push. Happening. They wanted you guys to develop naturally yeah, and sort of like, take your own course. It was really loose, like, surprisingly. Like, even looking back, it's like, we had a lot of leeway with, like, what we could do, and it was, like, great. And they obviously pushed us, like... Write more songs, right? Yeah. Like, think about this, like, mindset. Get her, like, go do this and stuff. Like, it was never, like, forced or anything. Like, do this. You must do this. But it was always, like, just, like, keep creating what you're creating. And keep, and, keep going. And that's what worked. And that's how we got cool kids. And it felt like a, a cohesive sort of, like, a, a good relationship. I mean, did, were you guys ever at odds? Or did you always have the same vision for the band? You know what I mean? The label when it came to, Yeah, when it came to preparing for the record, the, you know, the songs and the recording and stuff, it was very cohesive. And, of course, there's other things you have to, like, not fight about, but I like go through things with of course. things and stuff. It's like there's different things, and sometimes they're right, sometimes we're right. I mean, it's like find some kind of balance between that. But like when it came to that, yeah, you know, of course, anything's gonna have that, but not in a bad way. Especially um, creative, I'd imagine. Oh yeah, because so subjective. Oh yeah. Right. So yeah, but for us, it was like when it came to the record, it was really surprisingly loose. I just I kept keep doing like what we were doing, and we kept doing that, so it worked out. I actually uh, used to be in a band that did a ton of touring uh, with my brother okay. and another set of brothers, so I'm oh, wow. pretty, pretty uh, yeah. uh, in tune with sort of the dynamics of that. Um, one of the things that I always found fascinating is that my brother and I could get in these huge, demonstrative, loud arguments uh, that people would be like, oh man, that's falling apart. Yeah. And then literally two seconds later, we didn't, were laughing talking about basketball. Yeah. What's the dynamic like, obviously, amongst four siblings, and do you guys find that? What are the pros and cons? Yeah, I think, yeah, you kind of covered it there. So you can argue about stuff, being dumb and siblings and stuff, and then, like, you can be like, oh, and then you can just be over it. I mean, because like, I think when you grow up together, it's like you learn how to argue, I guess. You learn how to <laughs> yeah. go through things. You learn how to go through life, because you're literally going through, like, changing and growing up and, like, parents and family things and stuff like that. So, like, you literally, like, you're learning your entire life and training with these people, like, how to react and how to do these things. So things happen. We you know, argue, argue with some sometimes, but like, obviously, yeah, you kind of turn around, you know how to get out of it quick. It doesn't last very long, ever. Right. And it's like, and of course, there's like, there's great things with it, there's hard things with it, but in the end, it's like, 
family, there's such a bond there, like chemically, in a relationship like, related. So it's, I think that's what kind of keeps it going, keeps it strong and healthy. I was thinking about, uh, I think, you know, Sometimes drummers uh, in general can feel a little marginalized because they feel like they don't have a say. They're the drummer, you know, other people are doing the writing. And then I find younger siblings also have that sort of dynamic. Obviously, your younger brother Graham is also the drummer, so it's kind of a double whammy. Does he get a say in anything at all? Yeah, he gets a say. I think for him, he's like, and he, he gets a say and he, like, he knows his thing and stuff. But he's also like very like open creatively and like lots of different kinds of things. And for sure, like when it comes to like what he does and the drumming, and even like if he has an idea for a song, he's. He's going to share it, and it's going to be something that we have to take in seriously, because his voice means something to us. That's interesting, because, I mean, songwriting can be, obviously, really collaborative, but it, but it can also be very personal. How do you guys find the dynamic? I mean, is it like, do you guys come with music? Is Sydney writing lyrics? Are you all working on lyrics? What does that dynamic look like? Yeah, well, there's a, we all, we all do all of it, really. I mean, we could all create music, we could all write songs, or make, you know, guitar lines, or just chord structures and stuff. So for all of us, it's like... We can all do every single part. Graham could write lyrics. I can write lyrics. Jamie can't. So he can write lyrics. So it's yeah. like, and we could all start a song. You can start from Jamie. You can start from New York. You can start from Sydney. You can start from anyone. And for us, there's no rules on where a song comes from or what it does. As long as it's something we can all believe in, that's really the only criteria it needs. Yeah, absolutely. Let's do that. All right. We're, we're going to pause it and zoom in the green room so these guys can set okay. up their sound check. Yeah. All right. It's a podcast. We can edit this. Yeah. <laughs> kind of loud but we'll we'll make it work <laughs> all right we've been booted to the green room this is like real yes. real stuff right <laughs> yes. now it's real life it's really happening real right i had a sound check um we we're talking a bit about graham uh, before and you know you guys are saying this process started with the label and everything um three years ago now uh you guys are older 21 19 i believe so you guys are out of high school age but at the time when you were writing music and, and sort of solidifying yourselves as a working band um, I'd imagine you were in high school. Did you guys do homeschooling? Did you actually find time to go to high school? I graduated before we had um, actually even got signed. Um, so I guess when we got signed, it was like the year after I graduated. So I didn't have to worry about that. You were good. You were right into your career, yeah. which is being a, a musician, right? And you were yeah, still I in school. Yeah, like a year and a half left. So, right. so I don't know remember. I was, a, I was a junior. No, I was a sophomore when we got signed. And then I didn't have to go homeschooling until I was a junior. Um, and then we did homeschooling tour, and then I graduated and stuff. So right, I don't have to worry about it anymore. Does it, how does homeschooling work? Does anyone learn anything? Because like <laughs> I didn't learn anything in high school. My yeah. band played twice a year, so yeah. it's like pretty insane <laughs> to me to think about you know you guys having yeah. to actually like. I think if you if you choose to learn, then you can. Right. If you don't, then it's very easy not to learn. No, did you find it hard to focus knowing you had this band and you're like, this is what I want to do? At first, and then like eventually, like last year of like high school, I like got straight A's and like really learned stuff. Because so I was like, I just, I think when you get out of school and like it actually made me appreciate the stuff I was learning more. Interesting. I don't know, so I, I enjoyed it. So instead of blowing it off, you dedicated yourself. I yeah. actually wanted to. Yeah, because well. I could have dropped out. I could have. Sure. Able to, even when you're 16. America, you'll have to drop out. And I just, but I wanted to finish it and say I did it. I did. I did pretty well, I guess. Yeah. Um, you guys, uh, you both sing, obviously, bass, guitar. Um, <clears throat> did you guys ever have any aspirations? And like, you know, Jamie, you're saying you picked up a guitar first, maybe, um, to start your own band or do something separate? Or was it always going to be a family dynamic? Was it always, we want to do this as siblings? Or did you guys sort of have your own ideas of what you wanted to do as a band? Yeah, we had, I mean, yeah, when we started, we never thought of doing it as siblings and there were times where me and Noah would play in other bands and do things like that. Um, and yeah, it was never like, oh, well, like, we have to do the family thing. Just kind of, as we kept doing things and, the fa- and like, our Echo Smith started to kind of happen, we were also working at other things at the time. And then 
like when you're, you know, kind of doing a whole bunch of bands or a whole bunch of different things, right. like eventually certain things start to work out better, like even just dynamically with like people. And it just like, you know, with the siblings, it kind of just like kept working more, like the dynamic was working well. And, you know, eventually then we got signed and we were touring and people were coming to shows and it kind of just like, I guess like, you know, other things kind of get moved out of the way. Like when, you know, when one thing's working, we kind of like, yeah, go with it. And also just like, it always felt really, felt really good. So we kind of decided to run with it. So you had kind of a couple bands going and then you felt like this one was the one that was working the most. You enjoyed the the, the, the camaraderie, the dynamic, it all worked better. And then it would just yeah. kind of progressing in a way that you enjoyed. Yeah, exactly. I, I mean, there wasn't like, it wasn't like we were in like five bands at the same time, but like we'd, we would be in different bands at With different buddies points. And stuff and, like yeah. That. And just like would more for fun, even like this band started off for fun too. And like eventually things become serious and for, you know, for us, like. I guess we start to become serious. It's always interesting because there's probably somebody back, you know, in your hometown that's like, oh, I was in a band with those guys and now yeah. like, your band's doing really well. Do you find those friendships uh, lasted? Are they like happy for you? Or are they like, God damn it, they went and made it? And left- yeah, it could have been us. Yeah, I mean, so, I mean, I don't know. I mean, not we haven't stayed in touch with everybody we've ever played with. Um, but there's definitely friends of mine who like I have played in bands with before who I'm still really good friends with. And um, one of, like even one of the guys who was on tour with us who does – he like does like our in years and stuff like that. Like he played, he played drums in one of the bands I was in. And oh, and you brought him along. Um, yeah, so he's so part like of the he, whole team. Yeah, so actually, like there's like relationships like that that have stayed, and um, it's like any friendship, you know. Eventually, you people do, especially out of high school, it's like you lose touch with a lot of people. Yeah, Noah, did you have anything that you had going on, or yeah, I mean, me like- and Jamie a lot of the time were in the bands together. It was actually most often me and him. Like you know, yeah, that band that he was in. I think you were in one band with him before, and then we did another band. And I was in that second band. Um, so yeah, like we all that, and you know, we mutual friends, but mostly, yeah, most of the people we're still in touch with, they're all like super supportive generally. I mean, if they weren't, then it wouldn't be fun to stay in touch with them. So right. generally how we like to keep it. Um, even though success has come, you know, relatively quick for you guys, did it feel like it took a long time? Cause you know, a lot of people would be like, Oh, Echo Smith, they, you know, they kind of came out of nowhere, but like you said, right. three years from yeah. the point that you guys signed to at this point. In, in ways it was, I mean, it felt long and it felt fast all of a sudden. Cause we had been a band for, for seven years and so, like, I mean, that's felt long. And then all of a sudden for us, and I think that's probably how things work out usually. It's, like, in a very short amount of time, things, like, really happen. Like, we had grown, like, this much as a band, like, seven years. And all of a sudden, like, this last year, like, things just, like, kind of skyrocketed. And um, it's just, like, timing and people start to hear the songs and everything. So, like, because our record, and we put out Cool Kids, like, two years ago. Yeah, uh, 2013, and, right? In October. Yeah. I mean, yeah, the whole record came out then and we put out like a sampler with cool kids on it for free. Like, I mean, March. I think it's like in, yeah, March or April of 2013. Oh, really? So yeah. So it was like literally like just about two years that we put out the song for free. The song's been floating around. Yeah. And it's like, if, so like, I mean, that's going to have a long time for a song to finally like really catch fire. To, yeah. yeah. But also, and then it like came out like, what's this cool kids song that no one's ever heard of? And like, well, yeah, no one heard about it for the first year that it was out. And then all of a sudden it, it kind of just skyrocketed. I guess I wonder, like, you know, when success happens so young, I mean, and you guys are saying, you know, it took a while and you put the song out and nothing really happened at first and then it did. Is there ever a point in the process where you guys start to to sort of doubt things or you go, oh, man, is this working? Or do you just believe in the process and like, I want to do this for my life. And I'm going to do this anyway. I think we don't expect too much from the songs. Like for us, like the first year Cool Kids was out, to us, it was doing so much. Which, like looking back, it's like it wasn't that much. Like we were playing shows right. and like people were singing Cool Kids. And that to us was like, Whoa! This is working. This is huge, and it's amazing. And I, I think because I think we didn't set the standards to so have like we wrote cool kids and like we wrote cool kids. The songs to be a 
you know, multi-platinum single. It's going to go do this. And, like, if it didn't happen, you'd be like, oh, that sucks. So we just, like, we wrote it and it ended up working. It was a surprise. We didn't know it would be doing what it did. And then, like, people were singing at shows, like, for the whole first year. And, like, we'd have some people come to shows. We played, like, a 120-person sold-out show in L.A. in October. And to us, that was, like, the hugest thing. And it was amazing. And and that is amazing. It's really yeah. cool we had that. And then, like, you know, obviously things move on and, like, bigger things happen. Like, whoa, this can happen, too. So I think everything is just kind of more of a surprise. With the album coming out, like you said, or that batch of songs being a couple years old, um, you guys must be looking really forward to the next record. Are you guys thinking about that? We're starting to now. Now that this last year, like, we got to kind of, like, have a couple weeks off, like, at the end of the year and kind of, like, rethink, like, okay, like, here comes this next year. Like, what are we doing and how are we going to go about it? And, um, yeah, now it's kind of like, okay, well... I think it's probably time to start like actually writing and um, we've actually started to like think about, okay, we should start doing that because we hadn't done it all last year. So this year writing will definitely start happening. It's going to be fun to like start now seeing how that process goes and how the music's going to sound. And eventually it's going to be fun to get it out to people too. You two are the oldest in the band. Uh, as far as sort of the interband dynamic, you being the oldest, I mean, is there, do you take on a leadership role or do you still, or do you feel like it's a democracy amongst the four of you or? I think, I think it's pretty spread out. I mean, it's definitely like the way we do make decisions is a democracy. No one, no one person is leading. And there's, I think there might be some natural like leading dynamics that I might have just, I mean, you grow up and that's kind of the role you get put on. And I don't know. And then, but Sydney, obviously like she's the most, she's the most talkative out of all of us. That doesn't necessarily mean like people think maybe she like controls the band because she talks a lot. Was Sydney naturally like that or did she grow into that as the lead singer? She's always, yeah, she's always been super talkative. And I think all our instruments that we play kind of like go a lot with like our personalities. Interesting. Yeah. So, I mean, she's like always been really talkative and just perfect for a front woman, you know, singer. Of course. So, I don't know. All right. Well, man, have fun tonight at the show and all the best in the future, guys. Shane, how's it going? Oh, good, good. Double good. Yes, good, good. Shane looks like Hunter Thompson right now, by the way. He has his sunglasses <laughs> I inside. I feel like Hunter S. Thompson right now. <laughs> I'm sensitive to light. <laughs> Since when? <laughs> always. Really? Yeah. And I guess you do wear your sunglasses. You always ask me about it. Like, Shane, why are you always wearing them? To look cool? Or you like... <laughs> yeah. You do look cool, though. That's... You've succeeded. Yeah, that's 50% of it, but 50% <laughs> is actually for eye, light eye reasons. The lighter your eyes are, the more sensitive you are to light. You're sensitive to light and questions about your sunglasses. Yes, <laughs> I don't like that. <laughs> so, uh, how's your week been? Tell us what you've been up to. You seen any good movies? <clears throat> no. Um, <laughs> pop culture expert uh, here. What'd you think of the Ashley Madison thing? That was a big news item. Yeah, that I kind of found interesting because the guy who founded that, Noel Biederman, I have a little bit of history with him. <laughs> what? Was, was he married at the time? No, no, not like that. <laughs> I made a documentary when I was very young about my mom's cheating boyfriend. I was in high school. Young filmmaker. Young filmmaker. Um, I'd uh, kind of um, stake out bars. My mom used to go to this bar called Boomers all the time. Okay. And uh, I'd hang outside the bar and when... All the people came out. I would interview all these adults while they were drunk, like people our age now, kind of. I was like, look at that old guy stumbling around. It's hilarious to kind of f*** him. So I would do like basically uh, what you call a streeter segment now where you just ask people questions. And everyone kind of around the neighborhood knew me as the film guy, the guy who always had a camera. Uh, There was rumors circulating that my mother was being cheated on by her boyfriend. My parents are divorced. Sorry, back. So there's rumors that your mother. Uh... Yeah, my parents are divorced. My mom had a boyfriend. Uh, he he was a lawyer, oddly. Um, Can't trust him. 
No, you can't trust him. So there's rumors flying around that he's cheating on her. I tell all my friends, hey, if you see, his name was, uh, which is, yeah, kind of a sneaky guy's, Weasley uh, sneaky guy's name. So <laughs> a- anyways, <laughs> I love that no one will ever know what the name is. <laughs> Think of a sneaky weasel name. You'll know the name. <laughs> <laughs> but so anyways, um, one of my best friends at the time, he's like, yo, your mom's boyfriend is here with another woman and they're like canoodling and kissing and snuggling up in a booth to get booth together. You have to get down here and film it. So I don't drive at the time. So I round up a couple of my friends who have cars and they're like, Holy shit, we, we got to do this. So like 16 people like pop into like a van and a couple guys go in like a car all from high school. And then I film them through the window of a Krabby Joe's. It's like a <laughs> wing place in Hamilton. And they're luckily kissing and hugging and doing all that stuff. <laughs> well, you want to catch him in the act, right? Because I want to prove to my mom that he is, in fact, cheating. So it's actually a good thing. It would suck if all of a sudden you show up and they're just, like, not doing anything. But I showed up. They're making out. They're getting close. They're clearly a couple. We wait for to come out with the girl. And uh, Does it know that you do this? Like, his girlfriend's kid? Yeah, but you never think you're going to get caught, right? Okay. Yeah. You never think you're going to get busted. So then... Uh, comes out, I go one, two, three, and 20 guys yell, Busted! (laughs) And he's completely blindsided by this. So, uh, we get the footage of him, uh, all that shit. We go home, we wake up my mom, and we show her the footage, and she flips out and starts crying, going nuts. Is like, We have to throw out all of his clothing. I I filmed all of it, we pissed on his stuff. Like we 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 were very young. You know, we peed on it. We we drove his Jaguar around and like spray painted the loser. We spray painted on the on the sidewalk or whatever outside of my house. Oddly, <laughs> <laughs> did he live with you? He lived with us. Right. All my friends with like the greatest time. Like we took his like guitar and all this shit and. It was pretty crazy. It's crazier the the more time goes by and you actually think what you did. Nowadays, it's insane. This whole story is I would insane. be scared shitless to do that uh, nowadays. But anyways, it's a different time. I edit all the footage together into uh, a mini documentary, a half-hour documentary. It gets into, like, all these film festivals. And uh, Thomas Ian Nicholas actually came to a screening, the guy from American Pie, and, like, loved it. It was weird. Like, it got a lot of attention. We started selling the videos at our high school. All the teachers bought it. Then, then it was it was weird really demo, weird yeah. time. It, it got so like popular. Then YouTube came out. Then I put it on YouTube, and then every day it was on YouTube. It got thirty thousand views. So then it started getting closer to a million, and then NBC started contacting me and all these people. This uh, NYU professor is like, I want to make this into a feature film. Like all these people were contacting me, including Noel Biederman. The Ashley Madison guy. The Ashley Madison guy. Here's where it comes together. And he's like, I want to watermark Ashley Madison on this to promote cheating. Like, it's his viral way of marketing. Because because this guy gets caught in your video. And then if you use his website, you can avoid this embarrassment. Exactly. So I was like, I don't know. He's like, come in for a meeting. So I come in for a meeting. And how old are you at this point? I'm 18 at this point. Yeah. So Where is his office? Uh, I was in Toronto somewhere. I don't know. I'm very bad with directions. <laughs> it, I, I ended up saying no to using the um, 
the watermark. Was you he you said no it? to Noel Biederman. I said no to Noel Biederman. So uh, after this whole experience that you had with Noel Biederman, who's the guy that created Ashley Madison? Yeah. Yeah. What did you think of him as a person dealing with him? He was charismatic and like he seemed very nice. Like I have no judgments against him. I'd have an affair with him. Like I don't know. <laughs> he, he was good. Like he was good. He, he was like you know sleazy like anyone who's kind of successful in that business. And uh, <laughs> no, no, no judgments. He's sleazy. <laughs> Nothing's wrong with that. You got you to sell your business. And um, he's been on Howard Stern and everything like that. And I'm a huge Howard Stern fan. So I was like, holy shit, this guy's been interviewed in the studio by Howard Stern. And now I'm sitting across from him. So I thought it was really cool to me. One degree away from Howard Stern. Exactly. Yeah. But yeah, that's, uh, that's my connection to Noel Biederman. We would like to thank Jamie and Noah from Echo Smith for being our guests. We'd like to thank Shane for coming on. Shane, say hi. Hello, you're welcome. <laughs> you can follow us online at twitter.com slash Mike on Much. Same thing with Instagram, Mike on Much, and much.com slash Mike on Much is our show page. All of the artwork you see for the Mike on Much podcast is done by Jenna Gregory. And if you've been enjoying these episodes, please tell your friends. Word of mouth is important. And also subscribe on iTunes. Please do that. The Mike on Much podcast is produced by Max Kerman, and I am your host, Mike Bierman. See you next week if we don't die on the weekend.